Um, turn in your Bibles or on your handout to Luke 8. Um, we're in Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. This is God's word. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. And when, he said, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, just the fact that you give us the freedom to be here tonight. Um, Lord, we lift up um, Florida and the southeast as they prepare for um, hurricane, the hurricane coming. Lord, I just pray that you protect the people in Florida and that you give them wisdom um, to protect themselves um, and heed the, the warnings that are coming. Lord, we pray for Chapel Hill and the, the faculty that was lost. Lord, I pray for the people affected by that and the family there. Um, so, Lord, we love you and thank you for tonight and thank you for the joys of tonight, but we also um, ask you to be with those who mourn. Lord, I pray all of this in your name. Amen. So what we just read falls into this category, what we as Christians call parables. If you saw the email we sent out this morning, you know that um, we're going to be going through the parables of Jesus this semester. Um, I've heard parables explained as, as a few different things. Maybe you have heard them, you would describe them as maybe an illustrative story with one overarching main point. Kind of like, maybe you'd explain it as kind of like a fable or a storybook, but real. Maybe a story by, told by Jesus to explain something. Jesus in parables describes real life situations that we can relate to, and he does it to make a point. One situation that happened to me this past week, um, and I thought might be helpful for us to, to talk through tonight, is our tendency to defend ourselves, especially when we make a mistake because we didn't listen or hear. Um, because in this passage, we see the word hear. It's, it's in there seven times um, in this passage, the word hear. And if I've learned one thing in my six years of seminary, when you see a word repeated, that means take notice. Um, it's usually important. Pay attention. So we see the word hear seven times. Um, and y'all might argue with me on this, but, but I think my favorite and best excuse 
um, when I get in trouble or when I do the wrong thing is I didn't hear you or I didn't really understand what you were saying. Um, think about it. When, when you bombed or bomb your first college exam, which is it's going to come for y'all, um, what, what, what do you tell your friends or your parents? You say something like, man, I, I would have done good, but I, didn't, I, I did, heard the professor wrong when he told us what to study for, and I, I got this grade, or that professor didn't know how to teach. You say, you didn't hear right. When your mom asks you to pick up your uh, brother from soccer practice, but you decided you wanted to go play golf instead, um, <laughs> this is all personal stories, um, uh, you say, I didn't hear you, or mom, I would have gotten my brother, but I thought you meant tomorrow. Um, and when you get married, it only gets 10 times worse. Um, the other day, Sam asked me to get something while she was taking care of our daughter, Harper. She asked me to go, I think it was like baby fingernails, and that's a thing, like baby fingernail clippers. Um, and she told me exactly where they were. Um, but when she told me to go get the fingernail clippers, I was like, immediately I stopped listening, because I was like, I, I know where those are. So I went to, to the basket where I thought they were, and after about five minutes of searching, I was like, I went back to Sam, I was like, where the heck are the, these baby fingernail clippers? Um, and she was like, I told you, they're in the coffee table drawer. And I was like, it clicked at that moment. I was like, I've heard that before. Where, where did I hear that? And it was like, oh, she had just told me two minutes ago if I had stayed to listen. Um, I was so confident that I knew where the fingernail clippers were that I completely ignored what my wife had to say. If I had stayed and actually listened to what she, what she had to say, then I would have just walked over and gotten them, and I wouldn't have been searching for, for 10 minutes without finding them. And maybe that's where you are in your walk with Jesus. You think that you know better than he does, and so you're not actually listening to what God says. Tell God us in our study tonight, I want to look at three short points, all centered around the idea that Jesus speaks and his word has power. And what this passage is emphasizing is the importance of how we listen and how we read um, when God does speak in his word. So my three points tonight, and they're in your handout, are Jesus describes, Jesus explains, and Jesus provides. So let's get into the first point, uh, Jesus describes. In the first part of our passage, Jesus describes the situation by giving us a metaphor, um, using the seeds and the soils um, and this might be a little confusing because it's not the way that we talk about things in these days. But Jesus knows his audience. He knows that this is a story um, during a time where, where people relied on agriculture. They relied on planting and harvesting. That's how they survived. And Jesus is preaching to the audience that, that he knows is in the crowd. Um, and I bet, what, and I got, this got me thinking, I bet almost all of us came into tonight um, with some kind of outside agenda. For me, I've, I've prayed that God would guide my words and my conversations tonight, um, but selfishly, I want you and your friends to stick around with RUF because I believe in the mission of RUF. I love the staff, our student leaders, and this community, and there's, th that's the truth. Um, those things are great. But what was I actually more stressed about before talking tonight? Was I more stressed about the organizational parts of tonight that, and that they would come together or that each student would hear the gospel and come to know Jesus? I hope the second one, but, but there are times where my heart strays from that inward desire where it should be. 
And each of y'all are coming into tonight with your own stories you're working through. We are all somewhere on the spectrum that Jesus has laid out. Some of you are on the firm path and you're not interested in God, maybe because of a bad church situation or, or you were just brought, brought up to believe something else. Some of you are on the rock where, where you're kind of one foot in, one foot out on this whole church thing. Um, you've had a spiritual high or, or different points in your life where, where you would say you're a Christian, but, but you don't really understand what that means. We're the last of the unfruitful soils. Some of y'all are investing in your faith, and, but at the same time, you're living a double life. You're hiding from the rest of the world. You're going to Bible studies on one night of the week, and, and the next night you're obsessed with your image and, the, the people, and what people think about you. You have to get drunk to have a, a certain or have a certain level of sexual intimacy in your life in order to fit in with the general population. Each of these situations are passive places that I've been at some point in my life, so, so don't feel like you're alone. And I'm sure you can re relate to at least one of them. But the truth is that, that being in this place is distracting you from what Jesus is offering us in this passage. In this parable, in verse 10, it says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. The problem is that we're not listening. Like in my story with Sam and the fingernail clippers, so often we think that we know where God is trying to lead us. So we ignore what he's actually telling us. We ignore the secrets, not to where the fingernail clippers are, um, but the we ignore something so much more important, the secrets of the kingdom of God. That's what our... Jesus is giving us here. It's not easy to understand this book, the Bible. It's, there's a lot in here, and it's not easy to understand it. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. A seed doesn't sprout up and produce grain right away. It takes time. It takes persistence. In our passage, it says it takes patience before we start to see what the little seed can actually produce, which takes me to my second point. Jesus explains how many of you in your life have, have read a Bible story and thought, man, this is a cool story, but I have no idea what it means for me. I'm, I got my hand raised. I've thought that so many times. Or how many of y'all have thought, man, I can't believe that made it in here. Um, like, this book is low-key kind of wild. Um, Jesus, is in this passage, is admitting that you're right in your assessment. Sometimes the things in here are hard to understand. But he's also saying that those stories mean something, and let me explain them to you. That's what he's doing in verses 5 through 9. He's explaining. I was thinking about this passage in relation to something, and y'all, something that y'all might have experienced. Um, it's a, a, a situation that's been ingrained in my head for, for a while. Um, most of y'all are Clemson fans, I would assume. Um, so you're used to kind of blowing teams out um, and having the opposing team Leave the stadium early. Um, it gives you a little sense of pride, doesn't it? When you see, like, the, uh, you're beating a team so bad that their fans don't even want to watch them play anymore. Um, but it, it may have even happened to Clemson a time or two. I remember Ohio State a few years ago. It got pretty ugly. I won't, I won't bring that up because that's traumatizing to y'all, even though I just brought it up. Um, I'm a big sports fan, and I've remembered over the years watching situations where a team is big, down big at halftime or in the fourth quarter. Fans start to leave. But then what happens? The losing team catches fire, and they start to come back. Um, and the fans who had already left the stadium, 
they're left on the outside, unable to watch. I remember on SportsCenter a couple different times. I remember one clip. I think it was a uh, it was a football game. Um, but the fans must have checked their score, heard the roars of the crowd, and they go running back towards the stadium, and the security officers just standing there, I'm like you're not getting in. Um, I remember another one. It was a little boy. It was so sad. It was I think the NBA Finals. He was wearing a Heat jersey, and he had his face pressed up against the glass, just like smushed. Um, looking through the glass because they wouldn't let him back in. Um, but what's my point? These people had tickets to the big game. They were in the stadium to, ex to experience what was going on, but they were left stranded on the outside. Why? Because they were unwilling to wait through the difficulty of the moment, and they didn't believe it was possible for their team to come back. If these people had known that a comeback was about to happen, would they have left? No, of course they wouldn't. These people, but these people didn't know what was coming. These people didn't see the hope. They didn't believe in the secrets of the kingdom. They, you might be feeling the same way about your faith. You're running out of reasons to have hope in God. You might really be working hard on your faith, but you don't feel like any fruit is being produced. We're promised in verse 8 that the, if the seed falls into good soil, it will produce. It will produce a hundredfold. Maybe the seed below the surface is growing a root that's actually so much more important than the fruit, than, than in, it's growing a root that's so much more important to produce the fruit in the future. Maybe you're just not seeing it. Maybe the roots are being dug deep um, and you're just not feeling it, but, but those roots in Christ are being built. In our passage, there's so many things that are changing but there's one thing that stays consistent throughout this parable, and it's the seed. In verse 11, Jesus says, now this parable, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The word of God is the non-negotiable in this story. This is the thing that for thousands of years has not changed, and it's what we must hold on to as Christians, the truths that are in this book. Some of the things that I was thinking about this in relation to y'all in your first week, many of y'all. What are some of the things that y'all have heard about RUF or, or other ministries this week? They have great community. They have fun events and games. They have a staff who can point you to Jesus. They have great ways to serve. I've said all of those things this week, and I believe that they're true. And all of those things are great things, but those things can change. If you're putting your faith in the events or the structures or the people, then you're missing the point. We were talking as a staff the other morning about this passage, and, and I remember, I can't remember who said it. It was either David or Lydia. Um, but we were talking about how they've all had people, spiritual leaders in their life, who are no longer walking with Jesus. But that doesn't change the way that they feel about Jesus. And I've, I've experienced that too. I've looked up to people for a long time because of their faith, and, and now I've gotten to see who these people really are, and my view of them changes, but my view of God stays the same. If you're, if you're this is a helpful quick illustration, if you're at a karaoke night and you hear somebody absolutely butcher your favorite song, does, does that mean that the song is no good anymore? Do you think, yeah, that song used to be good, but then I heard it sung one night at a karaoke. This guy, Jared, he, he 
just trashed it. That song's no good anymore. Of course you don't say that. Just because that person sung the song terribly doesn't mean that the song itself is no longer good. It was just misrepresented. Don't let the broken situation that you've been put in here on earth impact the way that you see and hear God in his word. I read to you earlier the first half of Luke 10, and now I want to read the second half. In the first half, Jesus said this, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And here's the second half of the verse. This is 8.10. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is a warning from God, a warning to God's people from Jesus. This is actually a quote from Isaiah 6, um, and it's a warning there too about hardening of hearts and um, staying away from uh, and not believing. Jesus is saying that there are going to be people who hear this parable, but it won't mean anything to them, which will ultimately lead to judgment. Jesus is saying that the attitude and the posture with which we read God's word matters. Let's put this in real life situations, and I've I've said. A couple of these things I've already said before tonight, um, and I'm going to say them again because what did Jesus do here in the passage? He, he stated it once in verses 4 through 9, and then he said it again. In verse 12, you might truly be hearing the word of God tonight, but, but you have some really hard things that have happened to you in your past that have made it difficult for you to fully put your trust in anyone. And the devil has found you in that place and plants seeds of doubt in your heart. That could be many of you. In verse 13, you might have listened with joy for a short time, but, you have no, but you've put no effort into building up your faith. So you feel like the seed is in the rock, your seed is in the rock, so you have no root to sustain you for the duration of your life. Verse 14, you might listen and care a little bit about your faith, but, but when something bigger and better comes along, you're ready to jump on it. You believe the lie that you don't need help. Because we do, we all need help. You believe the lie that this life is going just fine without Jesus. The thorns have choked you out. Each of these situations leads me to my last point and an illustration that I, I think will help us think through it um, about wh- how to practically use this passage in our lives. Um, and this is my last point. Um, Jesus provides Y'all may have already figured it out tonight based on my extensive knowledge of of gardening, Um, but I am a seventh-generation farmer. Um, I know y'all can tell by my my polo and my khaki shorts. Um, I know it doesn't, but my family has grown like fruits and vegetables and um, plants since 1843, um, Shaner's Greenhouses, Lexington, Virginia. Y'all go check it out. Um, blow up the Instagram. Um, I don't even know if we have an Instagram. My mom runs it if we do, and it is nothing you, you need to look up. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so this, this part of my life only shows up in a couple areas, um, and one of them is that I really care what the flowers around my house look like, um, which leads me to the saga of the Black-Eyed Susans. Um, I have, so I have these plants planted in the front of my house that I planted three years ago. I, did, I legit brought them from Lexington, Virginia. Um, but they're perennials, which means that they come up every single year. They die in the winter when it gets cold, uh, but then they come back in the spring when it warms up. 
Um, and so they start coming up every spring, and Sam will tell you, it's an exciting time of the year for me. Um, I get to watch them grow like one little tiny leaf. I'll like call Sam over and be like, do you see we have a leaf? And she's like, no, I don't care. Um, and I'm like, I think it's beautiful. Um, but this year, something, something terrible happened. There was a change in who cut the grass at our house. Um, we live on church property, and they had a, the guy retired who used to cut the grass. So this new, new crew came in. And I remember we had gotten to the point where my plants were, they were probably two inches tall. And I get home one day, and it was a massacre. My plants were like just, they had been weed-eated all over my front porch. And I just, I, I almost cried. Um, but they had been weed-eated all over. So I get on the phone. I call the guy who's like in charge of the landscaping. I'm like, what happened? Like, what? these are my plants. He was like, and we got a new crew. He was like, I was like, all right. Um, so I called him. I was like, call the crew. Tell them, do not cut these things down. They're going to come back, but, but do not cut them again. So I made, make these signs. I make these big cardboard signs that say, flowers, do not cut. And I, I put them out every Thursday. They cut the grass. So I put them out every Thursday morning. After two weeks of this, uh, putting my signs out, I, I get home at 5 o'clock on a Thursday, and I'm like, all right, they already cut the grass. I'm glad I can pick my signs up. Um, so I pick my signs up, put them on the table, go inside to make dinner. Um, Sam and I are cooking in the kitchen, and not five minutes later, we hear the fateful noise. The wah of a weed eater. I drop, I think a couple knives. I was, I was cutting some stuff up. I throw them against the counter. I go sprinting out to the front, and there he is. Knocking them down again. He, he only got one half. He got one side. And the other half, I stopped. I was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing, dude? Um, it was a high school guy. I, I felt bad. I might have scared him because, like, I was, I was so mad. Um, Sam, I, distraught is an understatement. Um, I, I was devastated. Um, but what ended up happening, I, I caught. You don't need the rest of the story. Um, but even though on the surface, um, chaos was ensuing. These plants had legitimately been chopped down twice in their first four weeks of life, um, but they were perennials. They were rooted deep in the ground. They'd been there for three years, and they still came up. Um, later on, the, they, the one side wasn't quite as tall as the other, um, but they still came up, and they were beautiful, and people complimented. Um, in our faith journey, we are going to get chopped down. There are going to be times where you feel like someone beat you in an argument. You felt unprepared to defend what you believe. There will be times when, when life is not going how you think it should, and you'll be confused and angry with God. There will be times when you think you're doing everything right, but you just don't feel like God is on your side. Luke 8, 15 says, as for, the good in this, as for that in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Jesus is saying that this life is not going to be easy. But know that if you are patient, if you are persistent, if you are willing to work, and if you're willing to, willing to dig deep into to God's word and these tools that I've given you, there will be fruit. This looks practically like the things that I've talked about today, living in Christ-centered community, serving the poor, intentional conversations with mentors, prayer, evangelism, reading scripture, finding a church, loving the people around you. But as great and as important and as important as all of those things are, 
they are not what we ultimately put our roots in. These things, these are things that God has put in our lives to help us grow our roots deep, but they are not what our roots are put in. John 4, 14, 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In RUF, our hope is to give you the tools to grow in your faith through these God-ordained avenues, but to do it with Christ at the center of all that we do and say. We're going to make mistakes. Tonight, I may have said something that you don't agree with. We want, what, what I want you to hear is that we are a ministry where questions are welcome, and we don't have it all figured out. We want to grow together with you. Your roots can never be rooted too deep in Jesus. And the seed, God's word, is always ready to be planted in good soil, even if you hadn't started that process yet. We would love to start that process with you. In RUF, every week, you're going to hear people speak about the Bible like it means something. Because it does mean something. It means everything. As we study these parables this semester, we will learn, to, we will learn together, we'll grow together, we'll be challenged together, and Lord willing, we'll bear fruit in the name of Jesus. And if you hear one thing tonight, let it be this. This world is full of temporary solutions to our eternal problems. But there is one man, one God, that can rescue us from ourselves. And that man is, is, is Jesus. Jesus who fulfilled the Old Testament promise through his sacrifice and death on the cross for us some 2,000 years ago. So that when, when, when we hear the word of God, we have no doubt that it is good and true. 